Well, good morning, everybody. Um, did anybody get some extra sleep this morning? I did. I did. I, I took advantage of it. Um, so, yeah, I'm not usually up here, so you might give me a little mic feedback. It's a little awkward, you know. Is it good? Is it good? We good? Okay. And so, oh, thank you. Um, the reason why I'm up here is because Jen and Jason are down in Newburgh, Oregon, because something cool is happening down there in about 20-ish minutes. Kate Huguenin is walking down graduation. So, Kate, you're watching. Let's go. Um, so yeah, that's that's why I'm up here, and I guess I'm giving the announcements today. That is that's what's happening. Um, so what's first? We got we up there. Okay, partnership class. That's what's going on first. Um, so this partners class, you can see the details up there. Sorry. <laughs> Um, but it's a really cool opportunity for people who call Brookview their church home for them to get together during this class and get involved in different things and be aware of what's going on at Brookview. It's like another opportunity to uh, come together. The uh, reason why it's called the partnership class is that if you attend and go to it, you can become a partner. And what that means is that you can vote on things for like board members or a couple of years ago, you're able to put your say in on buying the building, stuff, cool stuff like that. So that's gonna be exciting. I'm actually gonna be there, so it should be a good time. <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy it, you know? So um, yeah, that's the partnership class. And um, next, oh, baptism, next Sunday. Actually, my little sister who's in attendance today. So um, yeah. Next week, uh, baptism, this is kind of like the last chance if anybody out there, even if you're watching online, to uh, kind of communicate if you wanted to get baptized or if you were interested or wanted to talk about it and see what that's like. Um, this is kind of like the last call. See if uh, you wanted to join us next week. Um, so, yeah, what's next? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, for that, it's probably going to be a little busy. Make sure that you're uh, RSVP to church because... Um, you know, we got to keep track of like COVID and stuff like that and make sure that we have everybody who wants to be here um, that gets to be here. Um, with that, that means you're going to fill out your, I think I got the next one, your online communication card. So, and, uh, so this is a way that you can communicate um, uh, all the things. Like if you wanted to go to a partnership class, if you were interested about bapt uh, baptism, and um, also a way for you to RSVP on church. You just go to the brookview.com or brookviewchurch.com. And so, yeah, I think that's all I got for you. Sweet. Let's go. And then, yeah, there we go. I'll, I'll get out of here. Trev, you're a stud. You made that fun. Uh, so we're in the middle of a series right now that we are calling Rhythms of Life. And in week one, Jason, he talked about starting with the end in mind. Last week, he talked about hurry sickness. And today, I want to talk to you guys about joy. 
about joy. We're going to go through a couple different scriptures. Um, it's going to be a good morning filled with hopefully lots of joy. Um, but first, who here has some pet peeves? Oh yeah, hands are, yep, shot a little too fast. What are, what are some pet peeves? Okay, windshield wipers. Any other ones? Any other ones? Chewing loudly. Chewing loudly. Yeah, they're out there. Pet peeves are out there. All right, for me, one of my biggest pet peeves is backseat drivers. Backseat drivers. And God bless my wife. But I think one of the reasons God brought her into my life was to grow my patience and help strengthen me as a Christian man, you know. Hey, uh, Babe, I can't help notice, but you're a little close to the other lane. Uh, you need to slow down. Are, are your headlights on? Um, you know, did, did you just change lanes in an intersection? You know, you, you, you need to come to a full stop at a stop sign. You know, and it's like, hold, hold. And it's like, hold on. You're a passenger in my vehicle right now, right? I'm in control. When we're in your car... You know, we can do it your way. We, we can stop as long as you want at that stop sign. <laughs> but right now, I'm the driver. And for the next 35 minutes or so, I want to talk to you about backseat drivers because I suspect there are some things in your life right now that are being controlled by the backseat. And they're being controlled at a level that you're not even really realizing that they're being controlled. And when Jason asked me to speak about joy, I was really excited because joy has become a lot more important to me as of late. I feel like in my 20s, I was just kind of focused on accomplishing things. And I turned 30 in July. Come on. And, uh, and I've been figuring out, what's the point if you don't enjoy it? You know, what's the point of doing something awesome if you're not in a position to, like, appreciate the accomplishment, but you just constantly need more? And whether that's more popularity, more impact, uh, more influence, more money, more resources... Um, more friends, more connections, whatever it is. But lately, I've been asking the Lord to give me more joy, to give me more joy. And that sent me on a scriptural journey over the last couple months, and so this was a really timely um, topic to speak on. And I want to bring you in on that today. And I want to talk to you about what's controlling your joy. And James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, we're going to start there. Um, like I said, I believe there are some things that are destroying your joy. And what James does is he's going to teach us how to develop joy, how to develop joy, which is a lot more different than discovering joy. Because discovering joy means that we're waiting somewhere and trying to find it. It's in your next career move. It's in your next relationship. It's, it's somewhere that you're not right now. But James is going to show us, and some of you might be familiar with this, but it's actually kind of a weird concept, what he's actually saying. So here it is, um, James 1, 2 to 4. He said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Not what I was expecting in the search of joy. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And the first thing I want to mention today is the distinction of joy. Knowing what it really is, understanding the nature of it, and James, he helps us to, to, to understand that there are many different trials of all kinds. That's what he says in verse 2. Um, and, I, and I've learned that we're not all going through the same thing 
but we're all going through something. And how many of you know that there's as many types of trials out there as there are drinks at Starbucks, right? <laughs> or as there are paint in, in the paint aisles at Home Depot. And I found out that, that trials, that, you know, they can be associated with plenty and they can be associated with poverty, right? And, and I've always understood, understood the second one because everyone knows, you know, what it's like to be broke and the battles of, of, of not having enough. But, but managing resources can actually test you and your character in a way that if you're not prepared for it, it can really create a lot more issues than just financial um, poverty. In fact, financial riches can create um, relational po poverty if you're not in a spot to like mature enough to handle it and to do it and to steward it well what you've been given. It's just so true. Like there's single people issues and there's married people trials, right? There's just trials associated with loneliness as well as with companionship. There are many kinds of trials, all different types. And James is saying that, th that there's a distinction. And you need to know the kind of trial that, that you're in. And, and some people are like, well, can I try a different trial? <laughs> can I trade trials? Like, hey, you're, you're talking about rich people trials. I'll, I'll try that one out. Or <laughs> married people trials. I'll give that one a go. Why not? You know, I, I think I'm better suited for that one. I think I can manage that one. But here's what I think we need to stop doing. We need to stop associating joy with status and success. Because we have seen this over the last couple of years, big time. It doesn't matter how great your name is in the eyes of people. You can, like, you can still want to take your life. It, it, it doesn't matter how much esteem people see you. And that's not, the, that's not the product of joy, who people say you are. Joy is not a product of how people, how they see you, how they hold you in regard. And so there's different kinds of trials Added to that, most of us don't understand the distinction between a temptation and a trial. A temptation and trial. And the language that James uses here in, in this biblical writing, the common Greek of his day, it can actually mean both. Um, when he says trials of many kinds, he could, he could just as easily be talking about the believers uh, of this day and age and, the, and, the, and the, the trials they went through and the persecution they went through or he could be talking about temptation. And it's important to know the distinction between the kinds of trials that you will face in your life. Otherwise, you might kind of just spend years blaming the devil for something that you did, you know, the, the, the decisions that you made. And there are different kinds of trials. Some trials are, are just the result of evil in the world that, that kind of create different, different warfares, and, you know, we could study for weeks about that. Um, and some trials are just the result of, of you just not listening to your inner wisdom and just doing, like I said, kind of just dumb things. There are so many types of trials. But knowing the difference is where it's key because if you don't know the difference, you can use the wrong tool in the trial. Because when tempted, the Bible, it teaches resistance. When we're tempted to step outside of you know, what God has given us to step into our God-given desires, the strategy, the tool is actually resistance. But when facing a trial, however, it's not resistance, but acceptance that the Bible talks about often. And this was important for me to know the distinction um, because a lot of times I I'm accepting what I should resist and resisting what I should accept. 
and it's just a clash all the time. And it, it, it took me a lot of time to learn the difference, and I'm still learning um, all the time, but it's taken prayer to know the difference, and it's taken others, community, life groups, ID groups, all that kind of stuff to, to help learn the difference. But it's important to know the difference so I can approach my trial with wisdom, with wisdom. In fact, that's what he, uh, he says in the next verse, James 1.5. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now, if you want to flip the flow this year, we just got to do James 1.5. You know, and it, that should be our first go-to move. Like, I'm not saying don't talk to people about your issues, talk to people, but we should be going to God first to the solution, to, 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 to the source. That should be our first step. So I need the wisdom to make the distinction, to know the type of trial that I am. Like, is God, is, is he wanting me to fight this? Or is he saying, um, like one of the parables says, you have the weeds growing up alongside the wheat, and he says, no, 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 leave it and let me deal with it. And so we need to know the distinction between the type of trial and what tool to actually use. Do I need to resist this? Or do I need to accept this? And some of the stuff I'm dealing with right now, it's just called marriage, right? Like, it's the greatest blessing of my life, but it still has its trials. Some of you uh, parents, you're just dealing with um, puberty right now, right? Like, you can't cast it out. You can't anoint it, <laughs> right? You, you can't instruct it. It's, it's a different kind of trial. It's just life, but it's still a trial nonetheless. Uh, and some of the stuff that I'm dealing with, with right, right now is a temptation. Um, some of the things I believe straight from the pit of hell, uh, not that the devil is like personally assigned to me or anything, but I think it's just against uh, my purpose. Um, and you don't, don't give yourself too much credit, you know. I think oftentimes we like to think that the devil had nothing better to do than to give us a flat tire. I think he's probably much busier than that, but... Um, I think a lot of it comes down to distinguishing the type of trial that I'm in, which helps me to understand the distinction between joy and pleasure, the difference between joy and pleasure. So in Ohio, where my wife is from, um, they have billboards all across the highway. If you're from the Midwest, it's probably the same way. They love their billboards, let me tell you. <laughs> um, advertising all different types of things, but they have Jesus billboards, uh, Bible Belt, you know, um, things that say, like, depressed, try Jesus. It's like, oh, that's a good one. Um, but what, <laughs> what, they're, they're great. One of my favorites, it said, and I put up a little thing here to help understand. It said, no Jesus, no joy. But the no's were highlights. was like, no Jesus, no joy. Or no Jesus, no joy. And I was like, that's clever. It's cute. But I was like, ah, I don't know. Do you, do you need Jesus to have joy? And I was like, ah. Like, Krispy Kreme is still good <laughs> if you're saved or not. Like, my taste buds weren't saved. I'm just, but it, I thought it was, it was clever. But there's a verse in Hebrews 12, and I've always loved this picture of joy because it's helped me to, to, to distinguish between joy and pleasure. Because pleasure can be associated with joy, but joy is not dependent upon pleasure. Pleasure can be associated with joy, but joy is not dependent upon pleasure. And that's the second thing I want to talk about is, is the direction of your joy, the direction of it. And we're talking about backseat drivers, right? Um, 
And so joy, it's just controlled by, by circumstances and, and situations. But Jesus, he gives us a picture um, that, that stands really contrary to that idea. That stands really contrary to the cultural expectations of joy. Because, I don't know, I don't think my grandparents really had to deal with this as much in their 30s and 40s. Like, it seems right now that, that there's a pressure for us to always feel pleasure. There's a pressure. It's almost like social media has kind of constructed our viewing experience around like watching people's highlights, their most desirable moments. And so because of that, if, if I'm not always feeling happiness and joy, something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with me. And um, for me, that, it's a problem because I'm just not like genetically predisposed to be happy all the time. Um, I found that out about myself a few years ago. Um, I, I'm not like one of you who can just find reasons to smell the roses. <laughs> or, you know, it's like, hey, rain or shine, I can be happy. You know, the rain makes me relaxed. The, the sunshine makes me active. I'm not of your species. And I can't, you know, it's like uh, um, when, when, when I first got married with Kaylin and I was around her family, um, her mom, my mother-in-law, Christy, I know she's watching, <laughs> She would be like, she'd ask him, is Casey okay? He seems really quiet today. Is, is everything all right? Is he comfortable? But then, you know, we're almost, we've been married like three years, so she, not, that's just me. I'm kind of quiet. I'm a little reserved at times. I'm a little melancholy. That's just, that's just who I am. So, but joy is something different than pleasure because the, the pressure to feel, to feel pleasure is part of the reason, I think, why we feel so miserable. And now we're living in the midst of a generation that, that they think joy is associated to a feeling of the flesh. And I can, you know, it doesn't, I, I have to have it. And it, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with, with, with God, with anything like that. And so it's important that I say joy can bring a feeling, but it doesn't start with a feeling. And this is where we flip the flow. This is where it all happens. And if anyone flipped the flow, it was Jesus. Here he is up on a cross. Here he is being mocked. Here he is reputation beyond repair. Here he is being spat on and condescended to by the people he created. And here's what the writer in Hebrew says. He says, fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Now, this is where my message really happens. What have you set before you? That is what your joy is connected to. What have you set before you? And I'll break that down the best I can. Joy, I think, and just from, like I said, studying and seeing what Scripture has to say, joy is a point of view. Joy is a way of looking at things. And this, this truly helps me. It helps, it, it, it like sets me free from feeling the need to feel a certain way, right? Sometimes joy, it, it's not the absence of sadness or it's not the, the presence of the spectacular. And all we need to do is look at this one verse where it says, Jesus for the joy that's set before him. And I want to use that as a picture for a moment. He, he set joy before him. 
to endure the cross. That's the next part. Enduring the cross, scorning its shame. He didn't find joy in the event. He found joy in the guaranteed outcome of the event. He, he didn't find joy in hanging on the cross. It's not like he, because he's the son of God that the nails transcended the laws of pain. No, no, no. It still hurts. It was just as painful, but because of purpose. But because of purpose. And, and you understand that it's very different going through pain with purpose than pain without purpose. It's the difference of, let's say, um, I don't know, Jaden. Everyone shout out to Jaden. Yeah. It's the difference of Jaden coming and jumping on my back and me not knowing about it and, and me feeling the shock and pain and the disc slip and feeling like a 70-year-old <laughs> in my lower back and the difference of putting 100 pounds on a squat rack and squatting it. If I do it on purpose, it's a warm-up weight. If I don't expect it, it, it might take me down to the ground. Same weight, but one I'm ready for. When Jesus hung on the cross, he wasn't surprised by the shame. He wasn't surprised by the suffering. He wasn't surprised by the pain. He wasn't surprised by the jeering, the saliva. He wasn't surprised by the blood. Joy is a focus before it's a feeling. So Jesus, for the joy set before him, knowing what was coming, it was, it was a focus before it was a feeling. And if you came to church just to hear that, I promise you, you got your gas money's worth. <laughs> I promise you. Joy is a focus before it's a feeling. And, but, but, but we're so busy chasing uh, the feeling called joy. And God, he, he's given the, us the ability not to, not, not to choose our feelings. You, you ever tried to, to choose joy? I saw that on Pinterest. I tried it. <laughs> it sucked. It didn't work. And then I felt guilty because I couldn't find joy, and now I'm in this, like, pit of joylessness, and it's cyclical joylessness. Like, joy is a choice. Really? Really? Because some of the trials that, that people go through are actual mental illness, and they actually, it, they can't find happiness just because they got a good parking spot. No matter how much you tell them, feel happy. Be happy. Count your blessings, man. Be happy. James doesn't say count your blessings. He says, count it all joy. Count it all joy. He said, learn how to flip the flow. So I was watching a, a, a video about financing, YouTube rabbit holes, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's been weirder than that, I'll tell you what. Um, like making knives and stuff, I don't know. But so there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a financial term, and it's, an, it's talking about an income statement. So you have your income on one side, and your expenses on the other. And James said, if you can learn to do this, if you can learn to put some of the stuff in the income column that you thought was an expense, if you can learn to, to, to put stuff in the blessing column that you actually thought was a burden, if you can flip the flow, you actually have more joy than you're actually aware of. But if you're, you're not going to get it by praying for a feeling. You're not going to get it by, 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 by making choices. And I, I, I don't remember my grandparents, like, talking about this. Like, I don't remember my grandfather ever saying, like, are we really happy? I just don't remember that. It, it's a different time now. And, like, the, the, there wasn't feeds, and there wasn't scrolling, and there wasn't, like, you know, 
unlimited supply of unhappiness in the form of a device in our pockets, you know? And so they just focus on something else. They focus on something else. And, um, you know, what is it that brings joy that I can focus on? I'll, I'll tell you what it's not. It's not doing this. It's not looking around at other people. You know, what, what are they doing? What are they, what are they thinking? Where do they go on vacation? What are they wearing? What, what, what do they think about me? How, how much weight did, did that person lose? That, that's, not, that's not, when it says joy, the joy set before him, it's, it's set before you. So if you're doing this, you're not going to see the joy that's actually set before you. I, I can't be judging my situation based on other people's callings and expect to feel joy. I can't be judging my gift compared to other people's talents and be expecting to, to have joy. Nothing destroys jo- joy like comparison. Nothing. The life you've got, some of you, you, your lives would be so enjoyable if you would just stop doing this. Right? Like, it hurts my neck just doing it. Like, <laughs> imagine what it's doing to your soul. Right? Imagine what it's doing to your soul. You can't have joy that way. You can't have, it, it destroys your joy. And you're praying for more joy, and yet you, you're destroying the joy that, that God has given you, the joy of your salvation, the joy of your calling, the joy of your assignment. And, and it's like, God, give me more joy. It, it's a decision. Not to have joy. That's, that's the worst way to get joy. Let me tell you that. It's a decision of what you focus on. It's a, it, like, Sorry. It's a, deci- it, it, it's a decision of what you focus on. Like I said, you can't get it by looking around, and you can't get it by looking behind you at, what's, at, what, at what has already happened. And I love what David said in Psalm 16. He says, in your presence is the fullness of joy. Presence. The gift of joy is found in presence. But what does that mean? Like, does that, does that mean just coming to church? No, no, it, like, I'm not saying you're not going to find it there, but it means more than that. God's presence is the fullness of joy. It's not limited to a building, okay? And it doesn't mean like, oh, if I do everything right, then God's going to, he's going to reward me. That's not how it works, you know? That's not the good news of the gospel. The gospel is for sinners. The gospel is for the weak. It's for the lame. The gospel is for the broken. That's not what it means in your presence is the fullness of joy. That means joy can only come to my life when I am present and focused on what God is doing in this moment, right now, in this exact moment. And I can't focus on what God is doing in, in the lives of someone else, right, and expect to, to feel joy because I'm not being present in this moment. Or if I'm focused on what, he, what happened three years ago or three months ago or even three minutes ago, a lot of our lack of joy is really not about possession, it's about position. It's about position. A lot of our lack of joy, it's about not possession, but position. He set joy before him. It's not a question of God's presence. God's always going to be present. His presence is everywhere. It's not whether or not he, he's going to show up. He, he, he's going to show up. He's already there. I think it comes down to our presence. 
are we showing up? He's going to show up. Are we present in this moment? Are we present in this trial? Are we present in this conversation? Are we present at the workday? All these things. Lessons I think that we need to learn, this generation. We can't do anything anymore without trying to capture it, right? Yep. Um, You know, you kids doing something cute, got to capture it. You can do that, but I think there's no quicker way to kill a kid's cuteness than trying to capture it and post it. I don't know. I swear, demons come out anytime you're like, oh, I should film this. The kids know something happens. They start going crazy. I don't know. Just what I've noticed. But I found out that you can miss joy because you're looking all around you. You can miss joy because you're looking behind you at what's already happened and and, and regrets. But something else I learned is you you can miss joy because you're actually looking too far ahead. You're trying to get too far out there. And I think it's an equal danger. It's an equal danger. I, I love GPS. I use it all the time, probably too much, if I'm being honest. Um, but here's the thing. If you look it up, you know, statistics, a lot of accidents happen because you're looking three turns ahead instead of three feet ahead, right? That happens all the time. And it might be killing your joy, not that you're comparing yourself to other people, not that you're looking behind you, but that maybe you're looking too far ahead. Um, you know, some people are like, oh, my... My retirement's down. You're 24, man. Like, <laughs> right? It'll catch back up. You're letting that affect you right now. Yeah, Joe, I know you probably have a retirement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought of you when I wrote that down. <laughs> but you have a lot of joy, so not, not for that reason. Just because you're good with finances. Like, for, for those of us who need a plan, he didn't say in your plan is the fullness of joy. No. And, and really, you can only affect your future in the present, if we're being honest. So we need to be present. So this has been my season of presence. I'm trying to, to figure out what it means to have the fullness of joy in God's presence. And in order to, have, to find the fullness of joy in his presence, I need to bring my presence. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned in this season. I need to bring mine to my real life. Not some, some you know, imaginary scenario that I've created in my mind, but to my real life right now. And now I want to give you the whole sermon, okay, in, in one sentence. And you're like, he's been out there for like 30 minutes. It's like, I haven't said anything yet. So here it is, the whole sermon in one sentence. You cannot choose joy. You can only choose your priorities. And your priorities ultimately control your joy. Ultimately. I can't choose joy any more than I can choose the weather. What I can choose are my priorities. And that will ultimately control my joy. Let's go back to Psalm 16. And this is what David writes in in verse 5. He said, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. See that the chosen there? It means that I've decided to make God the most important thing in my life. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean I get up in the morning and and the first thing I do is read the Bible? Maybe. I don't know. But it means a lot more than that, too. It means that His will is what I want. His will is what I want. His ways are higher than my ways, and his will is what I want. I mean, I've looked at everything that this world has to offer for me to enjoy. And yes, you can enjoy things and not necessarily like at a spiritual level, um, but I do not need them 
to survive. And I will not attach my joy to, to, to temporal things anymore because I've tried that. I've tried, I, I cheer for the Seahawks. I get excited when they win. I enjoy the game, but I don't need grown men in spandex to give me a reason to live. That's not my priority. I can't invest my joy in what people I don't even know do with an oblong object for four quarters. And if you know me, you're like, hold on, Casey, you like football a lot, and I don't, you might be lying right now. It's the wrong priority. I, I enjoy it, but my joy is not in it. And that's the difference. I can enjoy it, but my joy is not in it. And this is what someone told me once, where your joy comes from determines when it runs out. What's the source of your joy? Well, the way you can tell is where, what are your priorities? What are your priorities in? And David said, the Lord is my chosen portion. I love that. And, and something Jesus said that I've been reflecting on this week was in John 15, verse 5. He said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So he says, sometimes you'll get cut on, but you'll never get cut off. You'll, you, you will remain in me and I'll remain in you. And there will be a constant flow of joy. And your joy will come from, from rest and your trust in me. And it won't come from your own efforts. And then he goes on to say this in verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I think a lot of us are settling for partial joy. Partial joy. And we equate joy with the absence of of sadness. Joy is not the absence of sadness, or else Jesus couldn't have had joy on the cross. He said, I want my joy to be in you, but you've got to own it. You have to own it because so what, 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 to, to just say, well, Jesus is my joy, I don't think it really cuts it. I don't think it really cuts it because it, we need to own it. When I, when I give the, 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 the wrong things too much time in my life, those priorities ultimately will control my joy. That's how it goes. If my priority is recognition, then when someone recognizes me, I will feel joy. Or I, will feel, or I won't feel joy if they don't recognize me. That's how it goes. If my priority is convenience, then when something is inconvenient, then I, I, I won't feel joy. It's like it's, it's, it steals my joy. But, but did it really steal your joy? Because you're the one... Who, 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 who let it drive? You're the one who let it drive. Whoever's driving the car is in control. And we've got some backseat drivers that I think are controlling our joy and controlling our feelings, our finances, our bank accounts, our status, our standings, our situations. And maybe today is time to tell those things that you are not my God, you are not my vine, you are not my source, and you don't hold my joy. You don't hold my joy. Joy is something deeper than how I feel about it. Joy is something deeper than what I post about. It's deeper than how I feel right now. And I am setting joy before me, just setting it right before me, and I'm resetting my priorities and what I'm going to focus on and what I'm going to give attention to. <coughs> Sorry. Now, when I do that, my joy flows not from 
what it is, but who God is to me. Not from what it is, but who God is to me. And this is the duration of joy. If you, if you, if you find your joy running out, where it comes from determines when it runs out. And I wonder, what, where is your joy today? What have you set before you? What are the priorities right now? I, I, I've had to study and do all this research, not just for this sermon. This, have, this started a long time ago because, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I struggle to enjoy my life. Like, I, I love my family and I love what I get to do. And there's so much things I love about my life, but, but I have to admit, I have been guilty of enduring something that God actually gave me to enjoy. But yet, I, I found a way to endure it rather than enjoy it. But it's because of the priorities that I, I'm, I'm leaning on, the priorities that I've, that I've made important. Your priorities control your joy. And you can try all you want to be you know, happy, 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 and, and get the quick fix and the, the quick hit, and it'll get you through the next few hours. But like I said, where it comes from determines when it runs out. The Bible says that there is a well that never runs dry. There is a joy, a, a, an abiding joy that is available, and we are not accessing it, but we're praying for more of it, but God's just waiting for us to actually order our lives around it and around the right priorities and around the right focus that will ultimately result in more joy. My joy, it's, it's too important for me to just leave up to like whether or not today goes well, to whether or not you know, they spoke to me or how my boss spoke to me or, or all these things, like if it turned out well. It's, joy is too important to leave it up to those things. I, I'm getting too old. I'm almost 30 now, guys. I'm not 25 anymore. I'm a distinguished 30-year-old. And I can't afford just to give my joy away to, to anything and, and I can't afford to let these backseat drivers control it. I can't afford it. Joy is too precious and too important for, for that to be the case. And, and the band, you guys can come up and join me um, as we start to kind of land the plane here. And so as we, as we close and as we go into worship, I just want to pray for people today. Um, and you guys can join me um, whenever you're ready. If you feel like your joy is being controlled by something other than the priorities that God has placed in your life. If that's you today, we're going to pray. Maybe you've been allowing joy to be connected to something that can't sustain you, to something that, that, that will run out. So flip it. So flip the flow. Instead of going, Lord, I need more joy, like it's going to come raining down like Skittles, Instead, pray, God, give me the wisdom for when you place something in my life to count it as joy and to place it before me and to place the right prior priorities uh, before me. Faith, it, it just it produces that kind of patience. That's what he's saying in this. In your presence is the fullness of joy. All these scriptures teach me, God, to set joy before me, a, a perpetual, pleasant pleasantness that comes from, from, from God. So we're going to pray. Father, I thank you for each person who you brought here today to, 
to hear this message, Lord. I, I pray that it bless them. Maybe they've been in the season of mourning. Um, thank you that your word says weeping may endure the night, but joy comes in the morning. And we thank you, Lord, because what that means to us today is that everything that is happening in our lives right now, there's an opportunity for joy. And I confess that I need this message probably more than anybody um, here who has heard it. But I'm preaching this today, God, because sometimes in my life, I have not set things before me. And the priorities that I've put before me have not always been of you. And, and they leave me disappointed every time. And maybe it, it gives me a quick fix and but it runs out. And this week, would you just show us what's truly important? And would you help us to see our lives with the wisdom that only you provide? Help us to understand that joy does not come from better circumstances. Joy does not come from human acclaim. Joy comes from ordered priorities around things that will bring life. We want to seek first your kingdom and we want to know ultimately what matters to you and place that before us and, and make that the priority of our lives, Lord. We thank you for this and we, we pray it in your name, Jesus.